Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Taryn Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and as always I'm here with my ghoul friend Jessica. Hello. Hello. And we are kind of bringing back stabbies that we are choosing, not just patron selects, but I'm not going to promise every week just yet because life is crazy, but we are trying (laughs) because we would like to. (laughs) The important thing is we're trying. (laughs) We're trying. But anyways, yes. So today I have chosen a case for us that I'm going to discuss. It is the disappearance of Brianna Maitland. And I didn't know much about this one it was suggested to me via tiktok so yeah i was it was interesting to learn about so brianna maitland was born on october 8th 1986 to bruce and kelly maitland in burlington vermont she did have one older brother but there honestly is not a lot of info out on him i had a hard time trying to even find a name they lived on a farm in east franklin vermont which is like super northern vermont basically on the border with canada And she was into jujitsu, which will be something to note for later. She was also said to be extensively trained in it. She did it for years. And she had attended a high school name I'm going to fucking mispronounce and people will yell at me on Twitter about, Missaquai Valley Union High School. And then she transferred to Enosburg Falls High School nearby during her sophomore year. Jesus, fuck. These fucking East Coast names I can never fucking say them and it's fine. I wonder if they think of the same thing of our names, like because Probably. we have so many like indigenous names in our yeah in California. Oh, We're dude, like, Alaska oh, has like it's like there's so many weird fucking names here, like so many weird street names and stuff that people when I have to like call to like for example like car insurance or something like somewhere you have to call and give your address. They're like, what? What the fuck did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, let me just fucking spell this. It's fine. <laughs> Was that weird? Right. All right. So when Brianna was 17, she decided she wanted to move out on her own so she could go to school with her friends. Her mom said that there wasn't any serious stresses at home. You know, there was no bad blood, no nothing. She just she wanted more independence. Mm -hmm. She was a very independent girl. And like I said, she wanted to be by her friends. But her living situation wasn't stable. She would move from friend's house to friend's house. And then at the end of February of the year she moved out, she moved in with her longtime friend Jillian Stout in Sheldon, Vermont. And also at this time, Brianna would end up dropping out of high school and worked two jobs. But she would enroll to study and she took her GED. 
something else to know is that three weeks before her disappearance, she was attacked by a girl at a party named Keely Lacrosse, and she beat her up really, really bad, which many people found that interesting because Brianna, like I said, she was trained extensively in jujitsu. So she knew how to defend herself and she was supposed she was said to be mm-hmm. like a very tough girl. And this attack from Keely left Brianna with a concussion, a broken nose, two black eyes, and several other facial wounds. Oh, shit. Yeah. And it was never ex- completely confirmed as to why this happened, but talk went around the small town. And basically, it was said that possibly Brianna was talking or hanging out with Keely's like boyfriend or ex boyfriend type of situation, and it pissed her off. And the attack was so brutal, she would end up actually filing a police report. Oh, shit. Yes, but it would be dropped three weeks after she went, after Brianna went missing, though. Oh. Her parents dropped it. Interesting. Yeah, which will bring us to March 19th, 2004. This was the day that Brianna passed her GED. So to celebrate, her and her mom went out to lunch, and then they did some shopping. Kelly, her mom, said that Brianna and her were getting along. She was extremely happy. She was talking about her plans for the future. She wanted to go to college. And while they were shopping, Brianna goes outside because it looked like she saw something. And she's like, I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. Her mom was checking out. She's like, OK, cool. Like, I'll, I'll meet you in a second. Whatever. Well, when she finds Brianna, Kelly says that Brianna was extremely mad and shaken and she didn't want to talk about what happened. So Kelly was like, all right, you know, just like didn't press it. Let it go. And they would actually end up leaving and Kelly dropped Brianna off at her apartment between 3.30 and 4. And that night, Brianna had a shift at one of her jobs. She was a dishwasher at the Black Lantern Inn. And because this is the early 2000s, you know, it's not like now with cell phones and stuff. Mm -hmm. She left Jillian a note saying that she had the late shift and that she'd just see her later, which Jillian would end up seeing the note after Brianna had left for work. She then went to her boyfriend's house for the weekend and, you know, just didn't think anything of it because that was pretty normal. That's how they communicated. And Brianna's coworkers tried to get her to stay after they closed because they were all going to get food and hang out for a little bit. But she had told them no because she had an early shift the next morning at her other job where she was a server at a diner. And so she clocked out at about 1120 p.m. Now, Jillian would come home after the weekend and she noticed Brianna wasn't there. She didn't think too much about it, though, because she knows she had two jobs and she was super busy. And then she was like, all right, well, maybe she just went to her parents' house. Because like I said, you know, like there wasn't anything strained with her family. She just wanted to do her own thing. Mm -hmm. But by Tuesday, her Jillian would come would become concerned because there was still no Brianna. So she called her parents' house to be like, hey, is she okay? Are you okay? Whatever. But they told her they hadn't seen her since Kelly had dropped her off. Oh, shit. Yes. Now, while this is going on, we have some other stuff. It's it's one of those cases where it's like we have a bunch of stuff happening at the same time. Got it. So I'm going to tell you all some stuff that happens that witnesses see happening at the same time. So it backtracks us to the night she had the last shift where she was last seen alive. Mm hmm. So like I said, she clocked out at 1120, right? Mm -hmm. So this next part is essentially 1130 into the following morning. So like an hour later, so into 1230. So putting us into the 20th, right? There's a male witness who drives by this abandoned house called the Old Dutchburn House and reports seeing an Oldsmobile with its headlights on. He says he doesn't see anyone in or around the car. Spoiler, this is Brianna's car. Oh, shit. Yes. And to overlap that from 12 to 12.30 in the morning, a second person reports seeing a turn signal flashing on the car. 
And then, you know, perhaps the other dude saw, you know, like the beginning of a struggle is what people might kind of think, mm-hmm. you know, and then that maybe the other man had seen it after it happened and they turned the car off type of thing. Got it. Don't really know. Or vice versa. It was off. And then maybe if there was a struggle, you know, something got hit and turned the lights back on. That kind of thing. Then what's really weird is somewhere between 2.30 and 4 a.m., Brianna's ex-boyfriend, James, who's actually dead now, drove past the car after he was out partying. He said he recognized the car, that it was hers, but he didn't see anybody. He later says that he pulled over at 2.30 a.m., saw nobody, and saw the headlights were on, as well as the driver and passenger doors were open. And he reported that he shut the doors, turned off the headlights, but had been drinking that night, so he didn't notify law enforcement about the car. Interesting. So that's just, yes. And that's actually reported later, but I figured just like for timeline's sake, it was just a little easier to tell y'all now. Now, the next afternoon, so like into the actual daytime of March 20th, a trooper finds the car. There will be a picture of this on social media for you guys. Basically, the back end of this vehicle is in the building. It kind of looks like somebody backed into it with the car, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And if you Google it, if you Google her name, you'll find it. Now, the trooper who responded to this just had it towed because he assumed it was a drunk driver. Didn't get a photo of it. Nothing. The only reason we have a photo of this is because somebody earlier had was driving by and thought it was fucking weird and creepy. So they took a picture of it. Mm -hmm. Now, the car was registered to Kelly, Brianna's mom. And nobody called her, which I thought was like kind of weird because in the Casey Anthony case, once the car got taken to the impound, didn't they call her parents because it was in their name? Didn't they call them? Yeah, but it had, or been, no? it had been there for a bit. Like, I feel like it had been there for a long time. I want to okay, say. Like, okay, that makes sense. I feel like it wasn't like it got impounded and then they called. I feel like it had been it had been there for like a few. A minute. Yeah. Yeah, because like, I don't know I don't have any experience with that kind of thing, so I don't know what protocol is. And obviously, states can all be different. But I was just like, that's just, I don't know, it just seemed kind of weird. And that could also depend on the impound lot. Like, it could be, like, maybe they have a lot of intake that they have to do. Mm -hmm. Maybe they couldn't find, like, a number attached to the person. I don't know. Right. So, also to note, in the car slash at the scene, there was two uncashed checks that were Brianna's from work. Some of her clothes. Her contact lenses, her migraine meds, makeup, her debit card, and ID. Oh, wow. So, like, everything. Yes. And just outside the car, there was vomit, which they couldn't tell how old it was, especially with, like, the car getting impounded and stuff, you know, like, contamination. Right. They also found some change and some jewelry that was confirmed to be Brianna's, cigarettes, and then probably the weirdest was there was a lime wedge on the hood of the car. Are we doing tequila shots? I mean, I don't know. It's weird, right? Mm-hmm. It was also unlocked, but the keys were never found ever. And the car honestly would not be connected to Brianna being missing until like days later. But back to Jillian calling Brianna's parents. Just kind of wanted to tell you guys that other stuff for some context. Of course, as soon as they heard this, they reported their daughter missing, which puts us at five days after, like from the last night she was seen. Mm-hmm. That's not good. No, that's a long time. It is. And on Thursday, March 25th, her parents, they gave photos of her to the Vermont State Police. A trooper showed them the picture of the Oldsmobile found at the old Dutchburn house, upon which they immediately said, yes, that's their daughter's car. 
Kelly said in interviews that she was instinctively revulsed by the photo and believed someone else, not her, had left the car in such a way so that it was staged. Police, of course, would try to treat this as a runaway, but she she literally left everything. If she was trying to run away, start a new life, she would have at least taken the checks and cashed them and gotten cash for them. Like, you're not just going to right. leave. They would have been like just stubs. Exactly. And of course, once word got out about Brianna, this is when the tips started flooding in and the timeline from the witnesses came through that I told you all about just a few minutes ago. So they would perform searches in the area that they found the car in, including with canine units, but absolutely nothing. It was just as if she vanished. And what was heartbreaking is when they went to get the car, her dad in an interview talks about how he was afraid that they were going to pop the trunk open when they got the car and her dead body was going to be in there. Wow. Yeah, I know. I was just like, my heart sank. But she she wasn't, though. And as time went on, there was absolutely no solid leads or evidence on where she went. Tips would continue to come in, though, and all kinds of rumors would go around. So there was discussion if this was drug-related or not. She did dabble in some drugs, but it was more of like a recreational thing, which I'm like, that's what a lot of teens and people Mm -hmm. do, you know, like she wasn't an addict or like in any kind of trouble or anything like that. It's just like very, very socially use, if that makes sense. And honestly, there isn't much else out there on this case. So this kind of is going to lead me into theories. So later that same year, authorities received a tip implicating that a couple people were involved in her disappearance and death. Their names were Nathaniel Jackson and Ramon Ryans. And these two were very known to be involved with drugs and things like that. And this anonymous tipster said that Brianna and Ramon argued because there was a money issue. And the source says that she loaned him money to purchase cocaine and he and never paid her back and that she was being held in a basement in this like known drug house of theirs. So the police raided the house. Of course, they found the drugs, but no Brianna or any evidence that she was there whatsoever. Interesting. Yes. I was saying, I wonder if someone made that claim so that they would like raid the drug house. I mean, quite possible, quite possible. Another theory suggests that she just voluntarily left town. But it's just like, honestly, that makes zero fucking sense because there was there was nothing pointing that she would do this. Like all of her stuff was there. There was some talk that she was planning a trip, but it was like a short trip, like a weekend trip. She wasn't going to be gone for like she wasn't being like, I'm a bounce out of town as soon as I get my GED. Fuck y'all. Bye. Wasn't anything like that. Which is so weird because mm-hmm. you said that she was born in 86. And she got her GD, GED in 2004. It's like, girl, just wait a few months. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. There was a theory that this was connect that her disappearance was connected to Maura Murray. And I'm sure all of you know who that is. If you don't, she was a University of Massachusetts student who went missing on February 9th, 2004. Her vehicle was found abandoned in a ditch in North Haverhill, New Hampshire. And this was approximately 90 miles from where Brianna's car was found. And in both cases, there was no signs of altercation or any indication that either of them were harmed or killed in or near their vehicles. And they have, you know, like just their personal belongings both in the car. They both had dark hair, were young and attractive and all of that and just vanished with no fucking trace whatsoever. But authorities, of course, looked into this and 
there's there's no confirmation that these are connected or anything like that. They could be, but we don't know. Then in 2006, and this one sticks out for a lot of people, there was security footage at the Caesars World Casino in Atlantic City in New Jersey. And it showed a woman that really looked like Brianna sitting at a poker table. But the weird thing about that was they were never able to identify who that woman was. Hmm. Yes. Now, Jessica, this one you'll find interesting. So there was also talk if she was a victim of Israel Keys. Oh. Yes. He had several victims in Vermont and all across the U.S., but in 2012, they did look into this, seeing if she was one of his victims. But his financial records proved he wasn't in Vermont when she went missing. So the FBI ruled him out with that possible connection in late December of 2012, which, spoilers, shortly after that, he committed suicide in prison in Anchorage. So there's that. Yeah, and he was known to kind of like falsify shit mm-hmm. too like right i would i would hope it was like a deep deep look guys yeah promise i would hope israel it was keys. a deep, deep like, yes israel keys is coming people keep right. fucking asking we're trying we're trying it's on the schedule now we've put it on i'm not gonna tell you when because i can't remember exactly <laughs> but it's coming we did it we said yes we're doing it <laughs> <laughs> and then the last kind of little tidbit is in march of 2016 on the case's 12th anniversary investigators revealed to a local tv station that they had recovered dna samples from her car but the DNA's tests were not made public. And the farmhouse is actually not there anymore. It was destroyed in a fire that summer. So it's just totally gone now. Interesting. Yes. And also what is kind of appalling with the whole theories thing is the people, because I just remembered this, the people that got raided with the drug house and shit. Mm-hmm. There was this lady who said that like, you know, Brianna got murdered and then she got chopped up and fed to a pig farm and blah, blah, blah. But this ended up not being true either because basically she it was one of those things like she was trying to provide info to kind of like get some kind of benefit. I don't remember if it was exactly if it was like her that was in legal trouble or it was like a family member or something. But it was one of those situations. So it's like uh. there is literally nothing. And that breaks my heart for this family so much. Like she's it's just like Maura Murray. She's just gone. She's just fucking gone. It is so weird. But people do wonder, you know, if it was maybe something drug related, because like, what if that's who she saw? You know, if it is a money thing, if she owed them money, that's another thing that comes up is maybe she owed the people money and they threatened her in the parking lot where she went outside or maybe, you know, and they looked back into Keely and stuff when she got into this fight, but they didn't say that was any kind of like, you know, any lead or anything. Mm -hmm. That was another dead end. Hmm. So, yeah, that is the disappearance of Brianna Maitland. It's it's a weird one. It's a weird one for sure. It is. It really is. But that is going to go ahead and wrap us up for today. Y'all, we will see you back here on Monday for another episode. Bye. Toodles. <laughs>